welcome to Rome Cuny Bible Church, where we desire to become a worshiping community of grace and truth by sharing the love of Christ locally and globally. So good. Well, good morning, everyone, and it's good to see everyone on this beautiful day. Uh, as Mike mentioned earlier about our service times next week, um, just make sure you make note, and also our prayer time will be at 8. If those would like to join us, it'll be at 8 in the morning before beginning of the first service, and I'm um, really excited just kind of as um, a lot of prayer, and we've talked through, and that's something that I, I hope you guys know that as leaders of the church, we, we don't try to make decisions flippantly. We really want to trust and rely on the Lord, and just as He leads us and directs us, and really to serve you guys, but ultimately where God would be most glorified. And so with that, um, just excited to see what the Lord does in this new season as we seek Him together. Um, we're going to be in Matthew 6, so that's where we'll continue through the Lord's Prayer. Matthew 6, verse 11 today, so if you have your Bibles, turn it there. And let's go before the Lord together, church. God, we do thank you for this beautiful day that you've made. And we just got done singing that you are enough. God, I do pray that would be a truth from deep within us. Now, we wouldn't just say it, but we do believe it, God. You are enough. You're good. You're holy. You're a Father who is in heaven. Hallowed be your name. And yet, here we are as you are holy, God, and we could approach you, we could ask of you, we could seek of you. May our desire be what you desire, God. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And we ask our petitions and ask our requests of you, God. Thank you for hearing us, but we want to ask what's glorifying to you that it would follow that suit, your kingdom and your will. And may we take what you've allowed and given us, and we would say you are enough. Be with our time in your study of your word, the Holy Spirit work in our lives. We thank you for the grace that you've given us today and knowing that you meet us where we're at. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know, I'm sure you guys aren't like me, and most of you are really good about this, but I complain sometimes. You guys don't complain, right? Never. Never. Uh, I never had to take a class to learn how to complain. Actually, there's no classes. It's just this natural tendency that we have where we're like, man, I'm complaining. And maybe you're like me too, or maybe this is just me, but it seems like the little things after time get to you, and you complain about those, or you grumble, or even let's just take the weather for instance, and I was complaining when it was cold and wet, and then the sun came, and I'm like, now I'm complaining because there's too much sun. We're not content. But we never were taught that. That's just our nature as we are sinners. Um, actually, you could even see early on with a baby or a toddler as if they don't get what they want, and there's usually crying or complaining. And we see that. But wait, it doesn't stop. I've seen many adults, and maybe I'm just looking in the mirror, where they grumble and complain and start crying when they don't get their way. C.S. or J.C. Ryle, I should say, the 19th century Anglican bishop, he wrote this. He said, Two things are said to be very rare sights in the world. One is a young man humble, and the other is an old man content. And I fear the saying is only true. 
whether you're old or young, there's something that we all have in common here is that we grumble and complain. We have to guard against that. Today, even in every age, we see, especially more so today in our age, that we have more than enough, especially here in America. Uh, in our Western civilization, we have plenty. We have a bounty. Uh, how do you think most retail stores get us to buy things is through their ads advertising that you need this item. And yet, really, we have all that we need. So far in the Lord's Prayer, we've looked at God's paternity. He's our Father. We get to go to Him. We get to be in His presence. That we get to see the priority, that God's priority is who He is and also His plan. And now we get to look at God's provision. Ultimately, prayer is looking at God the right way, and when we do, everything else will be put in the right place. Let me say that again. When we go before God in prayer, and we look at God the right way, this is kind of, we can see the model in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, He's a good Father. We get to go before our Father who listens to His children, that asks and welcomes His children. Who's in heaven? Hallowed be your name talking about God being holy, perfect, without sin, and yet we get to ask of Him. And when we view God the right way, especially when our prayers are focused on His kingdom coming, His will be done, then our requests will follow suit because we would want what God wants to desire what God desires and ask accordingly. But maybe you're also like me, that you do worry that you do have discontentment at times. And did you ever know that when we worry, we replace that with the awe of God? I should say, instead of awe of God, where we worry. And what we need to do is trust in God's sovereign plan. Our discontentment is replaced with contentment as God is the great provider. Thinking that you have to do everything to resting that God is the all-powerful, is in charge. And that's what we see in the Lord's Prayer with this. And so, just for those that need to be reminded. Look at Matthew 6 again, starting in verse 9. Jesus said, Pray then like this, Our Father, who is in, where does He dwell? Heaven. Hallowed be Your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Today we'll focus on just verse 11. Give us, our, give us our daily bread. And asking us, the Lord, this day to give us our daily bread. This line in the Lord's Prayer really teaches us three things. Contentment, dependence, and gratitude. Just in this one line, we can have a heart that shows that our dependency is upon who's the provider, God. Contentment that He's going to meet us with our needs for the day. And gratitude because He is the giver of the provision. Just in this one line, we can have so much to be thankful for, to cry on, to seek on. Just a few points I want to share with you today. One, God's provision leads us to true contentment. God as provider leads us to be content and to be content in something that as believers we learn and set all the way until the day we die. This is something we're going to always learn to be content. 
it's not something that, bam, you're content and it goes away. We're constantly being reminded of what it means to be content. We're constantly reminded that we, what it calls to be content. Do you know to be content is a command in Scripture? Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, which we tend to like know the last part of that passage, which says, he'll never leave us nor forsake us. And we have that, but listen to the whole verse. It says, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So the author of Hebrews is saying, here's a command. He's guarding against desiring to be rich or money that it becomes an idol in your life. That's what you're pursuing afterwards instead of glorifying God. And he says, but you're content. And as you're content, this is how you can be content. God says he'll never leave us nor forsake us. So when we rest in God as provider, really that dwells within us, that contentment that we need, that he's in charge, he's a provider, he's given me everything that I need. And let me push this a little further, is that when we are not content, listen to this, we're actually in sin. Oh, uh-oh, I'm guilty. There's a danger there because sometimes we're like, okay, it's because of circumstances or it's because of this. John, you don't know what's happened in my life. I may not know all, every detail, but I know what Scripture says. And this is the danger that we're called to trust God. See, when we're discontent, we're actually saying in our pride, and we may not look at it this way, but we know better. We're saying, actually, I don't like this, so I want it this way. And my way is better than your way, God. So that's something we wrestle with moment by moment, day by day. We wrestle with that. Am I the only one that's gone through something where I've become discontent? Or can we all say, yeah, I've been there. I have. I'm the only one, I guess. I've got a lot to learn. True contentment, though, comes from the joy of knowing Jesus Christ. See, contentment is not based on our circumstances because those always change. It's based upon the who, the stable rock, our God. As we look to God who is sovereign, who's in control of all things, we must also remember that he's the owner of all things. I love what Psalms 50 verse 10 says, For every beast of the forest is mine. This is the Lord speaking. The cattle on a thousand hills. The psalmist is describing how wealthy our God is. Like, he's got it. He's more than that rich uncle that you know you have and you're waiting for that inheritance. He's the one that has everything. That's like, you come to me. Rest in me. Look at what he has. Nothing's impossible for him. God's not dependent on any substance to keep him going. You and I, we need food. We need water. We need sleep. And yet God doesn't need any of that. He's self-sustaining. And yet he says, come rely on him to be sustained. Psalm chapter 24, verses 1 through 2 says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Meaning, everything is God's. Everything. Did you know everything means even our stuff is God's? Oh, yeah. Everything. When you view things that way, it changes our outlook on stuff, doesn't it? Or even just in this life, it changes everything. 
If everything is the Lord's, what does that mean about our stuff? Well, the Bible just says we're called to be stewards of it. A steward is just being responsible with what God has given to us to be able to use it for His glory. That's what we're called to do. And you may me argue, say, but I've worked really hard. I'm like, great. We're called to work hard for God and His glory. But who's given you that ability to work hard? God. Who's given you that mindset to be able to do what you do? Well, God has. So it all points back to who God is and how He's equipped you, how He's called you, how He's blessed you. And at the end of the day, you have to have your hands open and say, everything I have is whose? The Lord's. The one who gives, the one who takes away, the one who says, I've called you just to steward what you have that's been given by Him. Ultimately, as James says in James chapter 1, verse 17, that every good and perfect gift is from who? From God above. He's the giver of everything. And so that's how we look at it, is that the Lord is the owner of all things. And through this, it reveals how we are called to be dependent on the Lord for everything, which then leads us to gratitude. Now this prayer, give us this day our daily bread in this line as it's pointing to a physical need, but it also means more than just the physical. It's more than just actual bread. Uh, it's a desire for everything in our life that God provides for this life. It's a life of godliness, meaning we need more than just physical food to have that life. Uh, Martin Luther, when he was writing about the Lord's Prayer, he said this, our daily bread is everything necessary for the preservation of this life, which is bread, including food, but also a healthy body, good weather, house, home, wife, or husband, children, good government, and peace. He understood this to mean everything in this life to keep us going that we need comes from God above. That He's a giver of it all. We look and look at it more than just even actual bread, which if you're like me and you like bread, it's a great thing, but if you're trying to go without carbs, don't worry. He's not just saying, sorry, I'm not giving you. He's talking about substance. He's talking about what you need to live. And as we look at the order that comes in the Lord's Prayer, it helps. It's very important. First, it says, Our Father, which addresses who we're talking to, but also the call to call him, he's Abba, or he's Daddy, that we can ask of him like a child to a dad, and going in and approach him. How will be your name? That he's holy. God is holy. Then we just don't come to him flippantly, but we understand that he is the creator of the universe who is righteous without sin, who's perfect, and yet we get to approach him. It, it creates this awe of who God is. It should when we address God and we think about those things. The second part is desiring what God wants and desires. His kingdom come, his will be done. This is us agreeing with God with, with this and in this, that we're agreeing that we want to be part of his kingdom in his rule and reign. That he, what he desires, his will, that that's what we're agreeing to. Lord, we want what you want. We want to live accordingly. We focus on that. And then, then we can ask our needs. It changes things when we have that perspective because we want our needs to be like, well, God, I really want what you want. It's okay to pray for physical needs. This is part of the prayer. But it's really getting to the heart of what we pray and when we pray and why we pray. To desire what God desires, to be of His will, His kingdom. 
The word give us, or to give in this, give us our daily bread can also be expressed as a part of supplication. This is not demanding something of God, it's expressing dependence on Him. Kevin DeYoung gave this illustration that I want to share because I thought it was great. One is because my daughter's going to be getting there one day. But let's just say you have a child who's turning 16, and on their birthday they say, I expect a car on my 16th birthday. Now that's a demand. And that belittles us. Now, it'd be different. This is just to help you, Ada, when that day comes. Okay, this is, take a note. But what if they say, I need your help because you know how to drive and I don't? That expresses dependence that honors us. By us saying, give us this day our daily bread, we're saying, you are the provider, God. I'm depending on you for this today. That's what it means. It's not a demand. And like I said, we don't stop here at the physical needs to be met, what he's promised and he, his will. But I like how Augustine, he actually said, there's three things that this line in the Lord's Prayer is pointing to. Yes, all things necessary to sustain life are physical needs within that. But also talking about the sacrament of the body of Christ, Jesus is his, the bread of life, that his body was broken and took bread as that symbol of that and it's to symbolize that and pointing to that and it also means spiritual food that we have the word of god which we're called to be fed upon or to feed upon it daily and that's the idea here though god has faithfully provided you daily bread physical food but also his his body he's given himself for you and he's given us his word so he provides that daily and I have good news for you. He's going to provide it in the moment and in the future. This is how good he is. God will give what he has promised, and he will also not give us what he has not promised. Yes, God is rich. God is the owner of all things. Yes, we're called to seek him, to ask and to knock, knowing that he does abundantly more than we can ever ask or think. Those are all true. But we also have to understand that God who is good also withholds things because he is good. God promises to give us what we need, but not always what we want. There's a difference. The physical needs he will take care of. And you may question like, well, what about this? No, he'll take care of us. He promises that. It just may not be what we think. There's a big difference between want and what we need. You may need transportation, but you want a Ferrari. Doesn't mean you're going to get a Ferrari, but he'll provide a way. Sometimes we get caught up in that and say, but this is the way I want, or this is what I want, and, and we need to realize that God knows what we need. There's a difference. I think what God provides also looks different for each and every believer. It does. It's not always going to be just this cookie cutter, every person, this is it. No. This is how good he is, that he meets us, each and every one of us, as individuals and corporately, and he gives us our daily bread. I thought about how scripture talks about the, those that went without food. And here the Lord's Prayer is, give us this day our daily bread. For example, the Apostle Paul, in 2 Corinthians 11, and you may recall the different things he lists that he went through through his missionary journeys. It says five times he was whipped with 39 lashes, uh, three times he was beaten with rods, one time he was 
hit with heavy rocks, stoned and left for dead. Three times he is shipwrecked. But in that list of things in 2 Corinthians 11, he says he often went without food. And so if you're like me, you're like, well, how did he go without food, but yet God says he's going to give him the daily bread? That we have to understand there's something bigger that God is saying through this, this prayer. That the Christian life is really not one of abundance, but really of dependence. It's depending upon him. God gives us this daily bread, which is more than a physical substance. Actually, when you really think about it, when Jesus was tempted by the devil after, as he was fasting for 40 days, and the devil tempted him by saying, turn these rocks into bread, what did Jesus say in response? He says, man shall not live off bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So even Jesus is like, here's what the daily bread is, more than just a physical substance that we need to know. He has provided himself. The Apostle Paul understood this, that God has provided himself, that he is enough. And so when we pray, give us this day our daily bread, we are asking God for more than just food for our bodies. We desire the food for our souls. It's more about the who than the what. And that's us casting our dependence upon him for everything. But I agree in saying, but he is enough. And so yes, we can run to God about our physical and material needs. He welcomes that. But as we follow the Lord's Prayer model, we're more concerned about the who as a provider than what we get from him. By calling on God as Father, realizing that he's holy, by desiring his kingdom and his will to be done, by us asking for daily bread, saying, but God, you are enough. During the Exodus moment for Israel, when they're in the wilderness, after they fled Egypt, God delivered them, rescued them. Um, they grumbled and complained a few different times. Didn't they? When they were running out of food or water, what did they do? They grumbled and complained. And granted, we scratch our heads and say, how can you do that when you just saw God's mighty hand do some crazy and mighty things? He delivered them in such force and strength that you're like, look what he did. And yet, they were so quickly to forget that. But before we start kind of judging them, I have to remind myself, is like, oh, I do that. Look what God did in the past, and then yet we're quick to complain or grumble or wonder or worry. But here's what happened, is that when they complained, what did God do for them? He provided food, and he gave them special food. It was manna from heaven. There was a command for them. He said, you could gather, but don't gather more than what you need for what? The day, unless it was a Sabbath, and they could gather for the two days. But they had to gather just enough for the one day. What if they gathered more? What about the ones who were like, I don't know if this is going to happen. And so they gathered more, think they need it for the next day, and it got worms, and it got destroyed, and it was gross, and they couldn't eat it. And it was to teach them that they were to depend on the, day, the Lord for that day, and for that day alone, knowing that he'd provide for the next, but to trust him. Ultimately, what God was showing them is that he's a rescuer and that he's a provider, that he's all that they need. And the same is true for you and I today. God is our rescuer from sin, and he's a provider that he's all that we need. Jesus said he's the bread of life in John 6. As Jesus was referring to even in that wilderness moment, 
He's saying that God, who is a provider, has provided enough. God is enough. Salvation is through Him and Him alone. That there's that connection when we seek the Lord that we can be content. That if we are fighting contentment, if we're in that moment of discontentment, let that be kind of that moment say, let me reevaluate things right now. Are you seeking after the Lord? Do you have joy in the Lord? Are you resting on His provision that He is enough, not just physically, but also spiritually? That the one who said He is the bread of life has given up Himself. The one who gives us the daily bread that's found in His Word that you can be content. Do you really believe that He is enough? We need to remind ourselves that God not only provides, but He has promised to provide. That's what we get to rest in. God will always provide at the right time because He promises to do it. That's the great thing. If you have your Bibles open to Matthew 6 still, just look over a few different verses, starting in verse 25. It says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. So right there, he's kind of answering that, that what you need is more than just even the physical substance. Uh, that there's more to life. There's bigger things. There's that spiritual side that he's addressing. Now he gives the example, verse 26, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? It's like you're more valuable than the birds in the air, and yet they don't worry. They're not like wondering, like, well, how am I going to find food? They just do it. The birds, they do their bird thing. And yet you're more valuable than they are. Verse 27, which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to a span of life? You can't. So why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. So right there, there's the reminder that we think of just wildflowers just growing. They just do their thing. God created them. They grow. And then they die. Aren't you of more value than them? He thinks more highly of you. You're precious to him. You're valuable to him. And yet, they don't worry. Why would you? The verse 31. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Verse 33, here's the key. It says, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, not, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Jesus is saying, For today, the provider, God, has provided. Give us this day, this daily bread, our daily bread. He has provided. And you know what? Tomorrow... We need to pin upon the Lord just like today and say, God, 
would you provide today? Because we know he has. Life's fragile. If you really think about it, none of us know with certainty what tomorrow has. We may rest in the fact that we could have a big safe bank account and money in the bank. We can rest in the retirement or even our health or whatever the case may be. But truth be told, we don't know what tomorrow has. That could be done and gone with and we would be surprised. We're called to content, uh, be content and depend on the provider for today. He is enough. How do we do this? Let me leave you with three R's. Not like school where reading, writing, and arithmetic, which I always laugh because it doesn't start with an R. But anyway, besides the point, one, remember the past. It's very important for us to remember the past. Just like in the Bible reflects very often about the Exodus moment for Israel to reflect on, to point to, to say, look what God did. And it was to remind them of who God is. So remember what, who God is in your life. Remember your past and what he's done. Remember how he's been faithful to provide. Remember how he's the one that goes before you. Remember the one who took care of you yesterday and the day before, who took care of you last month, took care of you in that moment of need. Remember that. Remember the past. Remember God's faithfulness in your life. And also remember God's faithfulness in the life of other Christians. God is faithful. Remember that. And how he provides in the right time and the right way. I will never forget one of the many different ways God has displayed that in our life. But early on in our marriage, uh, Alyssa and I had our first home that we had. The sprinklers broke. And one thing about California is the utilities are pretty expensive. Um, compared to here. Um, and the water, we were gone for away on a trip, and it was like three days straight of just our waters going. And they have different tiers, and so once you meet that first tier, they move you up to the next tier, and once that's filled, they move you up to like the high one, and then they just ding you. And the bill was crazy expensive because of that. And I was like, ah, oh, one, I was bummed. I'm like, too bad no one stopped that in our place. But two, like, what's that bill going to be? And we're at that point where we're like, man, we're, our budget was tight and we didn't have this like extra funds to just be like, okay, we're going to pay this. And we prayed and we're like, God, would you provide? I don't know how, but what is that going to be? And my mind's like, okay, I could do this or I could do that and I need to do these things. And I start just thinking what I need to do. And yet there was someone that had me do something for them and they blessed us and they had knew nothing about our situation and it was crazy how it was to the exact point of what our water bill was what they gave us and i was like whoa lord that's crazy because it's one thing when it was like close to that but when it was like the exact amount that's what was weird i'm like lord you knew who told them you know it was one of those like wow god you provided and maybe god is in the past didn't do exactly that but he still saw us through in a different way and some of it would be doing different things and different ways to provide and work and whatever. But God knows exactly what we need when we need it. Remember those moments. Because when those times come and we start grumbling and complaining or we are anxious, we remember that God is the one who gives us our daily bread for today. Number two, now as we remember the past, we need to reflect on what God's Word says about His promises. The Bible is true and trustworthy. The Apostle Paul said this in Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. He says, Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned to whatever, in whatever situation I am to be content. 
I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. A lot of times we just focus on that last verse and we're like, yeah, you know, it's that charging kind of hurrah verse. But Paul's saying, I've been brought low and I also know how to abound. I've been able to have that abounding. I've just learned to be content because he's the one who sees me through. That the one who helps me in that situation, I can be through it. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. The secret that Paul is mentioning in this passage, what really matters, what we had in the Gospels is a life, the security that's found in Christ. Paul understood that his identity was found in Jesus. And no one and nothing could take that away from him, even if he was brought low. May we rest in Jesus, remember in his promises that he who goes before us will never leave us nor forsake us, that we could ask and say, give us this day our daily bread. And then lastly, we need to rest in God's provision. Like I said, we don't know what tomorrow has. And that's why this is a prayer that we are called daily to depend on God. Richard Koken in his book on the Lord's Prayer tells a story of a friend who was a wealthy and generous Christian businessman. And he lost his fortune in the Enron scandal. And the man who lost so much of his wealth, though no fault of his own, said this, I've repeatedly acknowledged to God that my wealth came, comes from him. I've asked that if at any point he thought it would be spiritually better for me not to have it, he would please take it away. And I trust that this is what he has done, and I'm content with that. Could we say that if we lost it all? Just like that. The one who gives, the one who takes away, that it would be spiritually better for us. Our confidence for today is that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's our only security. That's why we pray, give us this day our daily bread, so that we could say He is enough. Our dependence is not in our ability, or even our fears in our inabilities. It's in Him who is enough. We're called to look to Him. And that's why the Lord's Prayer really starts with this awe or praise of who God is. And really at the forefront of our lips and our heart should be that. It changes everything. We praise Him who made it so that we can be like Paul who said, this momentary affliction is small in comparison to the glories that await us because we know who has us in His hands. Before we pray, would you stand please? A passage that fits with this is Lamentations chapter 3. And just as God gives us our daily bread as our physical needs, as He's provided his, our spiritual needs through Himself, Jesus Christ, as He gives us this daily, He also promises us daily His mercies. Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 through 24 says this, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Let's pray. God, we thank you 
as you are good, as you are holy, as you are the provider, you meet us where we're at. Thank you, God, that you meet us physically in our physical needs, that you know what's good for us, those moments that we go without, Lord, as you draw us near to you, that we cry out and say, you are enough. God, even as you provide for us, you also provided in a greater way as we look to Jesus Christ, the one who knew no sin yet took on our sin, the one who gives us grace upon grace upon grace. Thank you. Thank you for the reminder that your mercies are new today. We need that. As we depend on you for life, we depend upon you for spiritual life too. May we seek your word. May we know you. Thank you, God, for who you are. Would you bless us today? Would you be with us as we leave here and we reflect on your goodness and grace? In Jesus' name we pray. And we all said, amen. Thank you for listening. And if you would like more information, please visit rcbcbellingham.com.